Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer, with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law, and with me... As always, Ellie Mistal, welcome back. It's you, August. Yeah, it's you hot. You weren't you weren't here last week, so we had to talk about legal movies for a little bit. Sorry, um, I was doing my other five jobs. Yeah, um, <laughs> they aren't actually your other five jobs, but they're the other things that well, you do. To they me. don't pay me, so right. they're not jobs, right? In the popular nomenclature, right? Or understood definition. Yes, that's that's the other way to put it. There are a lot of fucking work though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's great how you, you know, don't do the work that I need uh, so that you can do these other things that don't pay you. That's I'm, great. I'm here today, man. What do you want? Um, well, I thought we would catch up uh, since we weren't able to talk about movies. Um, can I bitch about something first? Yeah, go for it. It's not really, this isn't a normal grinding my gears because I don't have a strong feeling of what to do. I'm kind of crowdsourcing options here. This weekend... Went into my garage to get, you know, the kitty play things, and there was a relatively large, you know, a little bit bigger than a pea size spider egg sack suspended right on top of my car. All right. So I have a spider or two, harmless spider or two in my garage. I let them live. I like spiders because they kill things that I don't like. I also generally try not to be like a MAGA asshole just running around stopping foreign invasions that I don't like, right? I try to I try to live and let live. The thing is, I also don't want a thousand spiders hatching, getting into my car, coming out of like my car. You know, then they're in my car, they're hiding in my car. I'm driving down the West Side Highway, I hit a bump. And like a thousand spiders come pouring out of my steering column and I drive into the Hudson. I don't want that to happen either. Right. Well, good news is that's absurd and won't happen. So that's your good news. So I'm trying to figure out what should I do? Should I let the spider sack alone? Should I kill the spider sack? Should I try to move the spider sack? I was really going to move it. But then I was afraid that simply by jostling the spider sack, I could trigger the thousand spiders and that would be a bad time. So I, I really don't know what to do. Again, I don't want to I don't want to just kill thousands of spiders. I don't want thousands of spiders in my car. I feel like I'm being forced into some kind of like David Attenborough false choice here. Yeah. No, what would you do? I I, I mean I'd I'd probably get rid of the spider sack. Like I don't like, <laughs> I mean they this really I'm often shocked at how deeply you have made existential crises over things that don't matter to everyone else. Um, Matters yeah. to the damn spiders. I mean, maybe. Have, did you not watch Charlotte's Web? Right? If you watch Charlotte's Web, you know that there's an excellent chance that like 999 of these spiders are going to fly away or be eaten. Yeah. Yeah. They probably aren't going to fly, but okay. So my, again, my inclination, my gut was to like, let them be, but I am really there. It's right. Kind of like, it's right near where I park my car Yeah, and they can get in and you know, it just would be gross. They'd eat other bugs though. 
that's a plus of spiders. Yes, but I don't have like, I don't have a lot of bugs in my car. Mm. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm going to try to move it this weekend. Oh, this weekend. You're gearing up for this. Yes. I got, I've been looking at the right tools. I got to get a pencil. I got to get a jar. I think I'm going to try oh, to move this weekend. Oh, I mean, that's, you've got to order those special. I don't know if you can find a pencil in a jar anywhere else in the world. You, you think I got a lot of pencils lying around my house? It's I, 2018. I mean, I, I've got tablets. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so you've turned nothing into an existential crisis that you're going to spend the weekend working on. That's, can we talk about a real existential crisis at the Ohio State University? No. Why would we do that before we've gotten through our banter? Your sighing and eye rolling is usually the, uh, the indication that banter time is over. Oh, no, 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 no. Banter time is uh banter time ends when i say it ends no um no what i was because you got the goddamn soundboard yeah yeah i do and you should watch out before the soundboard starts making an appearance but no um you know what's like having a bag of spiders (laughs) having Having a really bad big law job having a bad big law job yeah sure um it's yeah so if you don't want that bag of spiders or big law job as the case may be you can get the pencil and jar that is major lindsay africa (laughs) major lindsay in africa look we're trying to make this flow thematically um i was thrown a bit of a curveball by ellie i did not think in a million years that was the uh, transition i was gonna have to work with but i feel like we've weathered it so we'll move on and just explain that if you're wondering what lies ahead on the road to success, whether you're looking to advance your legal career or grow your legal team, Major Lindsay in Africa can help you navigate the legal landscape. With more than 35 years of experience in legal recruiting, Major Lindsay helps law firms and legal departments thrive in today's ever-changing market and matches lawyers and legal professionals with opportunities where they can flourish. You learn more at MLAglobal.com. Major Lindsay Africa, it's some pig. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I, I didn't know. Okay, so we we went. It's weird because your story, while there are Charlotte Web like moments to it, seem much more arachnophobia ish. Um, they're all gonna come out of my steering column, which okay, which is interesting for somebody who hates spiders. You're kind of on the two far extremes of actually having an issue with spiders. <laughs> I'm. I don't hate spiders. I love I, when, especially when they sing. But I, I don't hate any animal. Okay. Um, Republicans, perhaps, but like I don't hate any. I try to, like I said, I have this live and let live belief when it comes to nature. When it comes to outside my house, right? Mm. Inside my house, it gets. I can be a jerk, but if it's a, if it's a thing that lives outside, and my garage is basically outside. Yeah. And that's really it, right? Yeah. The garage is kind of. I think of it as outside. My car, I think of it as inside. Interesting, and that's and it's if I could just I need to stop them from that's a that's an interesting Fourth Amendment analysis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so no, you're right. But unless, it is. Yeah, I like, mean, if if I if I especially because like on on hot days we have the kids outside, we have the garage open. Any John Q. Law could like walk past my property and see into my garage. Yeah, and I think that would be a relatively reasonable mm-hmm. search. And your garage isn't attached, is and it? And my garage is not attached. Yeah. Mm. 
My car, however, yes. unlike what so many people say, I think my car should be an invaluable. Um, you need. I think you should at the very least need a warrant to get into my car. Yeah, I mean, of yeah. course, the law treats almost the exact opposite. Yeah, we just had a nice little uh, crim law hypothetical here while talking about spiders. Terrific, terrific, terrific. Yeah, that's the. Uh, that's the. <laughs> That's the high-end <laughs> analysis you pay for. Yeah, you're getting exactly what you pay for when you buy this podcast. Can we please get to kickoff? Yes, we've got football coming up. Wow! Uh, oh! And I think everybody in the country is excited about college football coming back, except maybe one team. For those playing along at home, I, if you don't know already, Joe and I are big football fans. Joe, a little bit more college than pro. Me, a little bit more pro than college, but still... Big fans, and it's not like we don't understand that this is a violent sport that concusses people and ruins them. It's not like we don't understand that the NFL has really deep kind of racial and social issues, and it's not like we don't understand that college football has significant issues in terms of having slave labor um, yeah. and having their coaches be the highest paid public employees. Plays and say all of those are legitimate issues. On the other hand, how boring is it on saturday in the summer when yeah. there's no football yeah i mean it's just it's beyond boring indeed uh yeah and we're adrenaline junkies i here. need young men running into each other as fast as they can probably not how i would have phrased it but yes um we we enjoy this sport uh and it's been making some legal news over the last uh, last couple weeks. So we wanted to talk briefly about the legal issues currently surrounding Ohio State uh, or the Ohio State University, as they pretentiously like to point out. They have some issues, don't they? Yes, they do. Their head coach, Urban Meyer, one of three coaches in college football history to win national championships at two different schools. Urban Meyer is in hot water because, and I think that on the podcast we can dispense with the pleasantries, he lied. He lied his Ohio, his scarlet and red ass off on Big Ten Media Day about domestic violence allegations against one of his assistants. Um, Zach Smith is the assistant. He's a longtime Meyer assistant. He was an assistant with Meyer when Meyer was the head coach at Florida. Meyer hired him again when, when he went to Ohio State. Um, he has been accused by uh, Zach Smith, the assistant coach, has been accused by his wife of domestic violence across multiple occasions, um, going as far back as 2009, um, coming to a head, it appears, in 2015. These accusations are backed up by photographs and police reports. Contemporaneous texts. Uh, kind of everything you'd want uh, to see in, in a credible allegation. Meyer knew about it. Meyer knew that his assistant coach had been accused of these violations. But when asked about whether he knew on Big Ten Media Day, Meyer said uh, he had no idea. He had, didn't know what anybody was talking about even. Which, of course, Big Ten Media Day does not at present require you to swear an oath to give testimony. So That's an not, SEC thing. Yeah, only the <laughs> SEC does that. So it is not technically a perjury or anything like that for him to have lied. It is, however, a PR nightmare and one that then kicked off a greater discussion of the game that we in the criminal world like to call, what did you know? And when, when did, did you, you know, know it? it? Yeah. 
Um, so Meyer did eventually fire this assistant coach, but obviously he didn't fire him back in 2015, um, at which point it now is clear that Meyer knew um, that the coach had been accused of domestic violence. Ohio State decided to suspend Meyer with pay pending an investigation. And while that might sound like a slap on the wrist to non-sports fans, yo, games start in a month. Yeah. And Ohio State suspending its uber god coach a month before the games start, that's not nothing. That's uh, – I'm not saying that Ohio State is doing enough or that they're doing too much. I'm just saying – you have to understand college football enough to know that Ohio State suspending him, even putting him on paid leave pending this investigation, is a significant is an indication that Ohio State is taking this very seriously. Yeah, I think with a lot of other teams, it would have been we're going to look into that, and in the meantime, you keep working. Uh, this is a sign of some changes societally. I think. I think that is a sign of some schools taking these issues far more seriously than others. Yeah, and what they've done while this is going on is they've kicked off what is generally referred to as an internal investigation, which is rather than the law enforcement getting involved and saying, we've decided there's a crime here or not, the school or entity itself hires a law firm to look into it as if they were law enforcement. In this case, it's Debevoise and Plimpton, where I think you used to work. I did. I I, I also think I used to work there. <laughs> I'm not sure if they think that. Um, uh, the but the investigation is being head, headed by uh, Debevoise and Plimpton, specifically Mary Jo White, who is a former um, head of the SEC, and as I think you put it, um, or maybe it was Shazar on Deal Breaker. Um, Debevoise is where Mary Jo White goes to hide whenever Republicans are in power in in Washington D.C. So we thought this would be a good opportunity not just to talk about some more football, um, but to also talk about what what does a law firm do when they are contracted to do an internal investigation? We've seen this in a lot of different situations. We've seen, obviously, a lot of sports leagues, Roger Goodell, Paul Weiss, um, hiring uh, uh, big law firms to do – Paul Weiss did the Deflategate investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see this a lot of times in sports leagues. We see this a lot of times with, with other kind of Me Too situations. NBC will hire a law firm to do an investigation to figure out just how creepy was Matt Lauer. So we see this a lot of time. From the law firm perspective, what are you doing when you are involved in an internal investigation? Well, it's, there are a few things you do. You do a lot of the things that you would assume a – law enforcement inquiry would do. You gather documents. You schedule interviews with key witnesses. You're trying to create a report for your client, and this is kind of where it gets sketchy, your client, which is the institution that hired you. In this case, it would be, if not the Ohio State University, the um, probably technically it'll be some subcommittee of the board of trustees that probably is the technical client client here you're trying to create a report for them so that they can look at it and say with some confidence here's what happened here's what we're going to do about it the issue with law enforcement is if you feel there's going to be some sort of a crime you're doing an internal investigation to head off your blame you're trying to get to a point where you can turn to law enforcement and say look we looked into it and it seems like it's cool so please leave us alone Or conversely, if you think there's something wrong, you throw everyone under the bus immediately and say, don't blame us, 
Here, however, are the people you need. That's where it gets a little sketchy to be involved in one of these things because you come in theoretically working for the same institution of all the people you're interviewing, but you aren't. You're working for their bosses oftentimes in a way where you might be trying to throw those people under the bus. And it's, it is it is an uncomfortable thing. You have legal obligations to warn them that that's what you're doing, which people may or may not listen to. I was involved in one, and the person I was interviewing said to me, and I, and I was junior as, as, as all hell here, um, said to me, well, you're my lawyer, so I can tell you this. And I was like, just making a face. Like, it was really a womp, womp. And I, I mean, that's what I just played, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I really had to say, like, as a very junior person, actually, I, I'm not your lawyer. I'm, I'm your boss's lawyer. Yeah. Oh, my God. Does that mean I should have a lawyer when I'm talking to you? And I just kind of I shrugged. And I was like, you could. Yeah. And, and that, that would be okay. And that's and that's technically what you're supposed to say. You're you don't have an obligation to tell them they should have a lawyer. You have an obligation to tell them maybe maybe that'd be a smart move. Uh, if I were you, I would have a fucking lawyer right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, yeah, so it is uncomfortable, and it's it's uncomfortable in that way. It's uncomfortable because there's a somewhat coercive effect that comes in where you basically are saying to Urban Meyer can take care of himself. He's a wealthy and incredibly powerful dude. But, like, Urban Meyer's administrative assistant, yeah. for example— could be the sort of person they might talk to. And in that instance, you're often talking to somebody with the extra coercive power of, you could choose not to tell me everything I want to know, but then you'll be fired. Right. Um, and it it's a way in which law enforcement, and th it happens particularly in securities fraud kind of worlds, where entities that go after those sorts of white-collar crimes don't often have as much power, like, the DOJ does, but the SEC wants to enforce things. They don't have all the resources that a Department of Justice, U.S. Attorney's investigation might have behind it. But they can rely on this as a way of getting around the fact that they don't have nearly as much law enforcement power to kind of deputize indirectly a law firm, often with tons of resources, to do the investigation for them. And that's on some hands, some hands, good. Obviously, their white collar crime is crime. On the other hand, troubling to the extent that you think that oftentimes these prosecutions ultimately punish people who are low on the totem pole, who really didn't do any of the actual wrongdoing in a way that covers up for the wrongdoing of supervisors. It's troubling because those are the people that the internal investigation often ends up pointing fingers at. It's very rare that you're going to get an internal investigation and the report afterwards that says clearly that the person who paid the law firm's checks is actually the person that needs to be fired. Yeah. Like that's, that, that's just an unlikely outcome. But Joe, to what extent do you think that all of this is a little bit, a little bit like, you know, the kid who wrecks the car and comes home and says like, Oh dad, I wrecked the car. I think I should be grounded for a week and a half. Oh yeah. Right. Like how much of this is in this situation, Ohio state trying to, self-punish mm -hmm. so it doesn't get a more severe penalty down the road. Yeah, and in this instance, it's hard really to know what the penalty would be for them here. It's not theoretically criminal to have just known that 
crimes that weren't being reported existed. I mean, look, if Urban Meyer had given a high school kid a sandwich, the NCAA would be on it. Right. And that's and that's true. And that and that gets us to the question. This is a question that was very big during the Penn State discussion, too. Right. To what extent does a sanctioning body whose only purpose is theoretically to keep the games fair, to what extent do they have some authority to punish? Oh, you look the other way while criminal activity happened. Obviously, and a lot of people wanted the NCAA to come down hard on Penn State. I was one of those people who thought maybe criminal justice should be involved here and not so much the pinheads who decide <laughs> whether or not whether or not the kickoff should be from the 25 or not. Like, you know, like that. I just didn't think that that was the right uh, answer there. And I think I'm still on that side here. I'm not sure that the NCAA should be involved, but obviously the NCAA mandate is rather large and that could be the issue here. I mean, at Penn State, I mean, it's a little bit different, I think, situation at Penn State where I think there was clearly, as one of the NCAA's favorite lines, a lack of institutional control um, when it came to not raping boys, right? Like that was that was an institution that seemed to be an institutional problem at Penn State. Um, but fundamentally, I agree with you, Joe. That's when you call the cops, not when you call um, the booster police. At Ohio State, I don't think what we're saying. I mean, look, who knows what information could come out later? Um, so I don't want to date myself. But at least from from what we know now, uh, this does not seem like an institutional problem. This seems like a moral failure on the part of the head coach and perhaps the other coaches as well. I mean, we don't know who else besides Meyer in his in that hierarchy knew, but we do know that Meyer is the most important man in that hierarchy. And if he knew and didn't say anything, the buck, I think, has to stop with him. Um, but it does not look like one of those situations where, you know, like a, a Penn State situation or a Larry Nasser situation where it's kind of extending throughout the entire university system and the entire athletic program. Yeah. From what we know now. Yeah. That said, I mean, obviously, there are court of public opinion issues here. There are there are conference-wide implications here like the the big 10 explain that uh the big 10 as historically had and this came up a lot during the penn state discussion too the big 10 uh as part of their belief that they can moralize about everything football related and that they're somehow better than everybody else uh as part of that they tend to act like this is the sort of thing that they should be involved in so it's entirely possible that the big 10 could internally say that there are some shaking of fists that need to be done in Ohio State's direction. So, I mean, that, that obviously there are a lot of overlapping groups and contracts that could be implicated here. There's the fact that they're public employees, period, which means the state of Ohio has some tangential interest in what's going on. Yes, Urban Meyer, highest paid public employee in the state of Ohio. Yeah. Um, that's not an Ohio problem. That I think it's something like 39 states where the highest public employee is a football or men's college basketball coach. And I mean, uh, in a lot of those states, you look at their governors and go, yeah, it actually makes sense. Let's pay the football <laughs> player more. Is Urban Meyer worth 63 times what the John value Kasich of John is worth? Kasich? Yeah. Probably. What do you think, legally speaking, Meyer should have done when these allegations were made, were made known to him in 2015? Yeah, well, as far as we can tell, if we were to assume that the first time he heard of them was in 2015, which... And not 2009. Exactly, which is also all stuff that we do not know that Mary Jo White's going to find out. 
assuming that he found out these things for the first time in 2015, the argument that has emerged so far is that he did at the time what he was supposed to do. Uh, if, according to the people who are making public statements about it, his response was to kick this up to the athletic director level and let a process begin to investigate that. Now, if that's true or not, we are not entirely sure at this point. A lot of things are in flux, but if that's true, that is probably what he was supposed to do. Now, whether that's the right thing to do, that's maybe you can obviously, you're an at-will employee, you could fire him for any reason. You could fire him for having mediocre wide receivers, right? Like you can fire the guy for anything. But if there's a actual procedure in place and it was followed, that goes a long way toward helping the school avoid any sort of penalty from anyone else down the road. That said, that all hinges on did they actually do that process and did he only learn of this at that time? Right, and and also what the athletic director did, if if it got elevated to the athletic mm -hmm. director, what the AD did, um, what was communicated back down the chain and all yeah. that. Right, I, I agree with you on that. Two of the things that have disturbed me, and again, I'm almost, I'm almost getting over the lying. Like, part of it is because we live in the Trump world and he lies to the media all the time, and I kind of deal with it. But like, uh, either Ohio State has decided that lying about it is a fireable offense or not a fireable offense. And Mary Jo White isn't going to find anything else about that. And, okay. and, and if they want to fire him for just the straight up lie, I'm cool with that. If they want to not fire him just for lying that one time, if it turns out to be that one time, I think I can wrap my head around that too. Um, the thing that's, that really has jumped out at me has been, and it's been all in the media coverage. If you've been following the story, one of the real disgusting things is that uh, Zach uh, Smith, the coach who allegedly uh, abused his wife, has been on like a media tour mm -hmm. kind of just with his side. Like we're not hearing from the ex-wife. We're just hearing from the coach now. Um, and, and that bothers me. But one of the things that kind of came up in his interview and also came up in one of Meyer's statements, I think, indirectly, was that he never hit her. Mm. Now, there's all this evidence that he's choked her and da, 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 da. he never hit her. And that seemed to have been, according to Smith, Meyer was very like in 2015. Did you hit her? No, I didn't hit her. But if you hit her, you're fired. And it's yeah. and it's such a again, I, I thinking like a lawyer. <laughs> it's such the wrong standard, right? Yeah. The standard for domestic abuse in this country is not a close fisted punch to the face. Yeah. All right. It is physicality. It is choking. It is abusive behavior um, beyond physical behavior. And for the for the kind of chesty football coaches to be like, did you hit her? No, I didn't hit her. Well, if you didn't hit her, it's fine. Like that really bothered me. Yeah, I and see I, that. And I kind of I'm interested in the internal investigation in part to see if those statements that we're hearing in the media was actually kind of disseminated amongst the coaching staff. Right, because if Urban Meyer's kind of legal standard for being on the Meyer squad was don't actually close fist punch a woman, if that's all he's got, then to me that's got to be fireable. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing to go back a little bit to the process discussion and whether I mean, that is a huge part of whenever something like this happens. Was there a process? Did it get followed? And to the extent that there was a process, was it? sufficient, uh, which I'll tie back into, we already have talked about the Penn State investigation. We'll also 
go to the Baylor investigation, which a law firm Pepler Hamilton did. You mean Urban Meyer's next employer? <laughs> well, I don't know as though they're in a position to do anything. I think they're they're trying to keep themselves pretty clean right now. But so Pepper Hamilton's report, which received a lot of criticism for being fairly opaque, but one of the things that it did was come down fairly hard on pretty much everybody at every stage of it. And one criticism that's come up recently was from a defensive coach who was there at the time, who was arguing that the coaching staff should probably not have been fired, that, you know, they didn't do things wrong. And his argument, which to somebody who's conducted an internal investigation before, not not over sports, but his argument was very legalistic. Uh, he was like, it was entirely Ken Starr's fault. The administration had no Title IX process whatsoever for any complaints. And what were we supposed to do? We weren't in a position to kick people out of school for accusations. That's what a Title IX office is for. We elevated it to our AD and the president of the university, and they said, don't worry about it. We'll handle it and did nothing. And that argument, whether or not that's true or not, is kind of the gold standard of what these investigations are supposed to be looking at. Was there a process? Was that process good? If yes, then was it followed? If no, wow, the people who are supposed to be in charge of that process need to be gone. And in this instance, seems though everybody kind of went out, but that's a good like primer for what these things are supposed to look like and kind of a good preview for what this should look like. Do you have any worry about the 14 days? So Ohio State came out and said that the investigation will be wrapped up in 14 days. Um, we don't know if that's because Debevoise said we can get it done in 14 days or if that's because Ohio State said, can you get it done in 14 days? What do you feel about the kind of at least press acknowledgement of an of a arbitrary deadline um, for this work? Yeah, I mean, it seems somewhat, somewhat bad to say that a complex legal investigation should be done in two weeks just because. Uh, it is, I guess, theoretically, it's a relatively closed universe of relevant information. Uh, you just need to kind of look at their correspondences of the various people who were supposed to be involved. You probably don't need to interview nearly as many people, like maybe five principals or something, to get as much as you need to know, at least as everything that you need to know about Meyer's involvement. So maybe Debevoise said that's what we could do. We could get that part done in 14 days. I wouldn't set an artificial deadline, but as a school, they have they have concerns about getting everything done before the season one way or the other. And like we have the cynical view that is they want to get it done so that he can be back on a sideline before the game, but the Reverse is also true. They want to have it done so that they don't act. They don't have to turn around, give him his job back, and then mid-season fire him either. So I think there's a lot of reason why it needs to be wrapped up quickly. We'll see if they can pull that off. I don't know as though 14 days is the right thing to say, but all haste is probably correct. I See, I think with the same information, I kind of come to the different conclusion. I feel like the 14 days is the one part where post the revelation – where football has unduly intruded on what should be a legal process. Clearly, Ohio State has an interest in having this wrapped up one way, exactly for what you yeah. said, one way or the other before kickoff. Either it's going to be Meyer or they're going to fire Meyer and they're going to give the job to the acting guy. 
whatever they're going to do, they want to know that for sure before they got to play Oregon State on September 1st. And that's a terrible reason to, to that's a terrible reason. That to me that that's a reason that shouldn't be um that that simply isn't good enough. Yes, it might it will be messy and 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 difficult for the team. It will be a distraction on the field um if Meyer remains suspended but not fired while games are actually being played. I understand that will be a distraction to the Ohio State. And that's just a distraction they're just gonna have to to me just going to have to deal with to let the investigation take its course. Joe, why are you looking at me like I'm a Michigan fan? Like why? No, like I that's that's not fair. Oh, no, no, I wasn't taught. I wasn't it has nothing to do with the fact that Michigan fan, I'm just saying that this is a distraction <laughs> that Ohio State needs to be able to bear. Oh yeah, no, I I was I they wasn't that. Uh I was just saying they're not concerned about having this done by September 1st. Nobody cares about playing Oregon State. And they then they play Rutgers next, so they they don't really care about getting it done until September fifteenth. But you raise a good point. Um, yeah. Do you eat chicken, Joe? Oh, yes. For that that's a that's a side reference to Michigan's coach saying that he bans his. We're hearing from former Michigan players that Michigan's coach bans people from eating chicken because he thinks there's a conspiracy where white meat is weakening people. Um, which, yeah. So, yeah. Jim Harbaugh is crazy, but so far he is he is morally upright and a, and a passionate defender passionate of defender legal aid of services. Legal aid. Yeah, um, which is weird, but go nonetheless true. All right. So with that, we've now had a actually fairly substantive and serious conversation that had some tie to football. So you know maybe that'll carry us for the next couple of weeks. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You should be subscribed to the show. If you aren't, you should do that. That way you'll get it sent to your phone, usually correctly. Uh, you will, uh, you'll want to give us reviews, not just the stars. You'll also want to write something about how awesome it is because that helps in the algorithm of all your podcasting services to push it up so that we can be higher up on the list of legal podcasts for people just looking for legal podcasts. You should listen to other Legal Talk Network shows. You should follow us on Twitter. I'm at Joseph Patrice. He's at L-E-N-Y-C. You should read Above the Law all the time. And uh, that's pretty much everything. Happy August. Yeah. We'll be back uh, next week. Really? Yep. Talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.